Hi, and welcome to the TRU Alumni Podcast, hosted by me, Dustin McIntyre, TRU Alumni Manager and TRU Alumni. I'm joined today by Andrew Skopenko, or as he goes by in Canada, Andrew. Andrew graduated with his diploma in Human Resource Management in 2015. He's a web strategist here at Thompson Rivers University. Andrew is the audio engineer for more than five podcasts, including this one. He has community at heart, working as a mentor with three TRU students through the CPHR, BC and Yukon, has worked as a mentor with Big Brothers and Big Sisters, as well as the operations manager for the nonprofit BC Plan, promoting prior learning assessment and recognition. Before Andrew came to Kamloops, he worked as a translator in his hometown, Kyiv, Ukraine. Andrew and his partner are now permanent residents and are currently in the process of becoming Canadian citizens. But their heart and families are back home in Ukraine. Welcome to the podcast, Andrew Skopenko. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you very much for this opportunity. It's a pleasure having uh, you on. Um, obviously, we'd love to have you on in different circumstances, uh, but uh, I think it's important that we we talk about this um, and uh, what's happening and how we can help. So, Andrew, what what is happening uh, from your perspective? Yeah, it's uh, challenging times going on right now on uh, February 24th the uh, Russian army invaded Ukraine and started a uh, full-scale war. Up until today, uh, Ukrainian army has been uh, defending the, the country, uh, the citizens, and everyone who is there, students from overseas, uh, different countries. Up until now, uh, the Resistance was strong and the support from the whole world is still being strong, but a lot of Ukrainian towns in the eastern Ukraine are being just destroyed right right now. The town where my spouse is from, which is called Ohtirka, there is basically half of the town is gone already. It's destroyed with rockets, missiles, bombs. The Russian army has even used illegal weapons such as thermobaric bomb. Uh, the BBC has crowned the thermobaric bomb as a mother of all bombs. The use of this weapon has been prohibited by the Geneva Conventions. So as the other weapons that have been used, for example, cluster bombs, they have been prohibited as well. Civilians are being killed right now, even despite of the negotiations between the Russian and, and Ukrainian presidents about creating green corridors for the people <clears throat> to safely leave the towns that have been and still being devastated by the Russian army. Regardless of these agreements, the Ukrainians who are living through the green corridors are still being shot away by Russian soldiers, and, and among those people are children. Um, up until now, there have been more than 50 children that have died already. The whole country is in a war. The big scale picture is that Ukraine is uh, defending the country really, really well. But if you zoom in, there are people dying. My in-laws, they had to flee the town where my spouse is coming from because of the 
current state, but they had to make a tough decision. They had to leave their parents behind. This was the only way for them to live and, and, and they're doing this for the sake of us, their children. And the decisions that they had to make, they're really, really tough. I don't know if, like how I would be able to decide in this situation. What would I feel? The, the situation that parents are going through in Ukraine is just it's horrible. And they are showing us what it's like to be a strong Ukrainian. I think they're showing. I think they're showing the entire world what it means to be a strong Ukrainian. Uh, this yeah. is one of the the first major conflicts that, you know, in the age of TikTok, um, in the age of YouTube, and we get to see firsthand all the atrocities and, and the war crimes that are taking place, and, it, and it's an absolute tragedy. And you're living it uh, every day. So where are your families now? My mother-in-law has luckily managed to cross the border. Uh, to Poland. Uh, we haven't been able to properly talk to her right now because she had to take her friend's daughter with her and safely deliver her to Poland to their relatives. Uh, my father-in-law, he managed to flee as well and he's on his way to the Western Ukraine where it's safer right now. No one knows what will happen all we know right now is that my mother-in-law will fly here to us, uh, to Canada, and she will stay with us until the situation in Ukraine and the war stops. And my father-in-law, he'll try to find some employment in the Western Ukraine and work there. Speaking about my relatives and family, so far, they're all safe, even though they did have an attack on uh, the nuclear power plant, which is about 50 kilometers away from their, their hometown. The Russian army came into the town that's called Energodar and started shooting the uh, power plant, the staff there. Uh, they damaged, uh, they created a damage, destroyed the administration building, but even though regardless of these Ukrainian firefighters were still able to put the fire down, and while they were doing that, some of them were just shot away. So they couldn't even properly do their job. Um, yeah, so my parents are all safe so far. And I hope, I hope this ends soon. Absolutely. What is the goal of Russia? And um, what will happen, do you think, in the next you know, week? What will happen in the next month or so? It's a very hard question to answer. Um, the Russian president has always wanted to take over Ukraine due to one of the reasons is that Ukraine is uh, close to NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization that has been created to contain the violence from the Soviet Union and resist the Soviet Union. Ukraine wants to join NATO and Russia understands that if that happens, NATO will get closer to them and there will be not much that Russia can do to NATO the closer it gets. So that's one of the reasons. The other reason can be cultural as well. Ukraine has a very strong cultural history and uh, a lot of cultural developments that uh, happened in, uh, the, in, in Ukraine even in the 15th 
hundreds, none of that was present in Russia. And uh, part of the policy that the Russian kings or tsars, as they call them, tried to do is they tried to steal the culture. And that could be reason number two. And reason number three, I heard people are saying that uh, Putin, Russia's president, is just still offended a lot by the fact that they were not able to take over Ukraine and they started this war. They were trying to take over the capital Kiev of Ukraine in two days and they were not able to. In fact, up until today, they haven't taken a, they haven't taken over a single city and that makes Putin mad. It does feel that there is a little bit of a personal agenda now in this war more of Putin's personal agenda. That's all I can think of from the ground, uh, from watching the news, but we'll never know what's actually going on behind the closed doors during the negotiations that countries are conducting. Yeah, it's um, of course impossible to tell, but thank you for that, Andrew. And um, speak about uh, the president of Ukraine a little bit. He has really galvanized the country. And um, from what I, I've read a lot about him and, and his polling numbers were pretty abysmal prior to the war, but he seems to have turned uh, around and has really become the, the modern day leader. And can you speak about him a little bit? Yeah. You know, first time in, in my life, I trust Ukrainian president. The president says that we need to influence NATO to close the airspace above Ukraine. I trust the president and I start doing the campaign on social media, sending messages and communication to NATO, signing petitions, educating people of the requirement to do this. The president says we need to block Russian propaganda on the TV. I'm starting to do that. So I'm just following the directions that the president is saying to the best ability I can from here. Um, Ukrainian president, uh, he did change overnight. And from a pro-Russian president, he, he became a Ukrainian patriot. He became a Ukrainian defender. He became a real Ukrainian. And this is strong. This is why Ukrainians are still able to maintain this strength and to resist the Russian army and defend its, its country, mostly because their president made a decision to stay in Ukraine. Um, Volodymyr Zelensky, as, uh, that's his name, he was offered to go to other countries and flee this war, but he didn't. He made a decision to stay. That, that tells a lot. None of the previous presidents in Ukraine did that. Zelensky kept his whole family in Ukraine and he's working with the Ukrainian military to resist this aggression. And it feels like he'll stand till the end. It does feel that way. You, you mentioned that you're doing work as much work as you can here in Canada. Um, Canada has a proud history of uh, partnership with Ukraine. We have many uh, Ukrainians, if I'm not incorrect, we have the most Ukrainians outside of Ukraine here in Canada. And you know, Europe 
proud Canadian and a proud Ukrainian as well. Uh, what work are you doing uh, on the ground here? Uh, maybe talk about the immigration work you're doing. Yeah, um, when um, preparing for this interview, it was interesting to see how many Ukrainians are actually there in Canada. And right now there is 1.4 million Ukrainians across Canadian provinces. And this is not counting the Ukrainians who are fleeing from uh, the Russian aggression from the war in Ukraine. Um, there will be more. And um, what can we do from abroad to help Ukraine? The very first thing that came to our mind when the war started is that we need to help. And we started helping by educating people on social media about what is really going on in Ukraine. While the mass media were still picking up on momentum and picking up on the uh, situation in Ukraine and covering and featuring it in the news, we have already been creating a lot of communication in, in the internet, translating Ukrainian news and posting them and educating people of what's actually going on. It became definitely easier once all mass media around the world started spending more time, uh, started dedicating more time to the news in Ukraine. But one of the first things that we started doing is uh, educating people of what's actually going on. Because if you look at it, there's a lot of propaganda right now. The Russian army managed to enter the southern cities, uh, the cities in the, in the south of Ukraine. And the first thing that they started doing is they started showing Russian propaganda on the TV. They came up with the cartoon allerg allegedly showing how Ukraine started the war and that the Russian army came to Ukraine with the peacekeeping uh, mission. But that's not true. That's not what the situation is. The situation is that Russian army is killing civilians, destroying civilian buildings, not the military structures. The military structures they have destroyed already uh, at the very beginning of the war. Now they're just destroying uh, the civilian population, which is it's just a war crime. And through the TV, they are trying to educate people that, hey, look, this is what's going on. So one of the things that uh, people can do from here is to educate the world of the real facts and of the real situation. The other strategy that we took is helping Ukrainians by donations. There is a fund that has been created to support the Ukrainian army in its defense against the Russian aggression, the fund can be accessed at savelife.in.ua. And there is an English version on the website and donations can be made there from any credit card from abroad from, from Ukraine. The donations support Ukrainian army with military supplies, any logistical supplies that are needed and anything else that's required to be able to defend the country. There is also Ukrainian Canadian uh, Congress, UCC, and their website is ucc.ca. They have been very, very active in terms of 
supporting Ukraine and there are more options to give donations that they have set different funds, different support opportunities. So this could be one of the other ways where one could uh, go to support Ukraine. <clears throat> the other biggest support is talking to local members of parliament. Right now, Ukraine is still not able to fully defend itself because the airspace above Ukraine is open. It needs to be closed so that Russian rockets and missiles cannot fly above Ukraine. However, NATO is not ready to close the sky yet. And part of the campaigns that we have been doing is we were talking to our local members of parliament, asking them to talk to the Canadian government and to advocate for the closure of the airspace above Ukraine. We have also been talking to the members of parliament about the supports for Ukrainians to come here to Kamloops, because we are from Kamloops right now, and help Ukrainians settle in, give them at least uh, basic um, like food and shelter for the first time. Yeah, so there is really a lot one can do from here. And of course, we learned that we have to take care of ourselves, of our health, and still go to work, get up in the morning, go and give our best to our employers because we never know who we will need to support from Canada. In terms of immigration, uh, the Immigration, Refugees and Citizenship Canada have been very supportive of the situation. And uh, I should mention uh, from my immigration background, uh, I used to work as an immigration consultant and uh, I was helping clients from all over Canada, uh, including Ukraine to come to Canada and call it their new home or come to study in Canada. And I got a good uh, grasp of the immigration law. Um, so right now this knowledge is very, very useful. And what's happening is uh, immigration refugees and citizenship Canada have opened their doors to Ukrainians who are fleeing from the uh, Russian aggression. And um, Ukrainians right now can come to Canada on a temporary basis, on a temporary resident visa, what they call it, and stay here in a safe place. And at the same time, Ukrainians can apply for a work permit so that they can work uh, while they are staying in Canada. This is huge. This is a huge help because it's not that easy to obtain a work permit in Canada unless you are a student or you have an employer who wants to hire you. And this help will let, even if we take, my, my spouse and I, if we take our relatives from Ukraine to come here and stay here temporarily in Kamloops, they would be able to work. We would not be so financially constraint and we are very thankful for this to immigration refugees and citizenship canada right now the new program for um ukrainians to come uh on a more expedited basis to canada is being developed and the guidelines will be published probably in the next week or maybe a week and a half the program is called canada ukraine 
emergency authorization for travel, something like that. And um, uh, based on the conversation with the other immigration consultants and uh, watching the immigration news, it feels that this new program will allow Ukrainians to come to Canada on charter flights, which probably will be really, really low cost, if not uh, free. A lot of air, air flight companies are waiving their fees to Ukrainians nowadays so that they can safely travel to different countries. That program will also allow permanent residents and Canadian citizens who are already here, it should allow them to sponsor their family members to become permanent residents in Canada. And also there is already an exemption for Ukrainians who would like to come to Canada, they can, uh, and, and if they are uh, in need of the, uh, support that there are different organizations that uh, can also help them and i've seen that camlops is organizing a couple of fundraising dinners and um, of course the ukrainian Cana uh, canadian congress is also creating different support systems for ukrainians to come by looking at everything it feels that <clears throat> there is a big push to make sure that Ukrainians can work here while they are waiting for the situation to improve in Ukraine and they don't just sit on the social uh, assistance system. Yeah, so this is what's going on right now in terms of immigration. Um, the challenge with existing situation is that a lot of Ukrainians had to flee Ukraine and the, the Canadian immigration offices are closed in Ukraine right now. So the only way for Ukrainians to come to Canada is to apply from, let's say they're in Poland, they can apply from Poland. But the challenge is the biometrics. The biometrics is it's basically a fingerprints and a photo that needs to be taken of uh, Ukrainians who would like to come to Canada and any, any country that uh, has, a, has a requirement for a visa in order to come to Canada. <clears throat> There are huge lines for the biometrics appointments abroad right now, like uh, outside of Ukraine. I heard that in Poland, one would have to wait three to four weeks to get in the line. So people are going to Germany to do their biometrics there. The applications are being approved and processed on an expedited basis, really expedited basis. But the last stage, the biometrics, is what holds things up. And we've been talking to local MPs in Kamloops about this uh, requirement and uh, the need to waive this requirement for the biometrics and instead have Ukrainians do their fingerprints and photo while they're in Canada already. That would help then they could get their temporary resident visa and come to Canada. So we'll see what happens from that. Hopefully there are changes. That's, um, 
that's a lot. And everything that you mentioned there, uh, all the addresses, the web addresses, we'll, we'll mention in the show notes so, so people can, can find the best place uh, to support. Uh, TRU um, is also creating a fund. There are 173 students impacted uh, by uh, the invasion of Ukraine. Uh, from many different countries in that region. Uh, so we will be supporting them uh, with the fund. Uh, TRU alumni will be matching all donations made by alumni to this fund up to $5,000. So if you'd like to give to these students, uh, you can go to tru.ca slash world relief, and we will match dollar for dollar up to $5,000 uh, to help these students that have been impacted. Andrew, Thank you so much for your time today. Uh, this is uh, an incredible time. It's difficult for you. Uh, it's difficult for all of us. Our hearts pour out uh, to you and your family and to all Ukrainians and to everyone impacted by uh, this travesty. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you very much for this opportunity.